thing, uh, coding for uh, insurance purposes and how that, how that fits into a malacha when you sort of finesse the code in a way for you to make more money. Um, it's not just to make more money. That wasn't the question. No, that was the original question. I couldn't find anything about making more money, so <laughs> we're discussing. So that okay. was the original question, uh, which we so far have not yeah, been able to decipher. But um, no, no, he doesn't sit here, Eddie. He Ed, sits here. He's got he a seat here. there. Um, um, Does anybody much? need coffee before I coffee. throw it away? No coffee. That's very kind of you, though. But thank you. So the, the question becomes, um, so what we ha have been discussing the last two weeks is when you code not for the sake of profit, but for the sake, when you finesse the coding in order to get better care for the patient, okay, where the patient uh, needs a certain procedure, whatever the case is, and the insurance won't pay for it, or the procedure is better done in the hospital, that's the actual case we're discussing. Procedure, the same procedure is not, again, the context there is socialized medicine in Israel, in the Israeli system, that's the context that was being addressed, so where the doctor feels like this procedure done in the hospital would be a lot better, and therefore um, allows for the patient to be checked at the hospital in order to get the procedure done any more qualified or quality, qualitative better. Theoretically. Um, theoretically speaking, yes. So um, what he said was... System. What? It's the support system, it's not the doctor. Um, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. It is yeah. Whatever it is. So we said, um, so what we discussed was, we brought it, we discussed a Gemara, the Talmud in Tracted Erech, discusses a case of a, of someone who, who is, let's just say quickly, because it's going to be relevant partly in the answer, to understand the answer. So um, basically the question, the, the case, the analogy brought from the Talmud was a case where someone's married. Were you here last week? Yes. Okay, good. So uh, someone's married. Um, it happens sometimes. People, uh, he was happily married actually. That could happen sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and what happened was he needed, he desperately needed money on his tuba. So the way the ketuba, as we know, ketuba is basically a prenuptial agreement, where in case of divorce or death of the husband, he, he has to pay out X amount. So someone suggested to him, his father-in-law was a co-signer on the ketuba. That means if the husband, for whatever reason, his father-in-law, his father, sorry, his father was a co-signer, that means he, um, for whatever reason, he can't pay out the ketuba, the father would end up paying it out. The father was a rich gentleman. Um, so someone advised him, the question was, should he be advised to get divorced, a fake divorce, and uh, get the payout of the Cuba for, for his, his own wife, father. from his own father, and then they'll remarry afterwards in order to, uh, to they still love each other, okay? People do that for tax purposes, too. Right. Right. So that's the question here. Could he do that to make money? Says at the end it was irrelevant because he was a Cohen, and Cohen can't marry a divorcee. But, uh, but the question was, it would seem like the Talmud would allow it. The Talmud asked the question, how could you allow such quote-unquote fraud, or what the Talmud calls harama, trickery, would seem like in order to gain monetary benefit. So the Talmud says, no, in this case, since it's his father, and he's a, he's a rabbi, he's a scholar, so we want to help him out, it would seem like the Talmud would be allowing, in this case, the... the Finessing of the ketubah, yes. Why, isn't there a biblical prohibition against divorcing a woman and remarrying her? That's only if you marry someone in between. There is, meaning uh. there is, as Shelley's pointing out, there's something called, there's a biblical pro prohibition called machse grushaso, 
which is that uh, if you get divorced and you remarry someone else in between, you cannot go back to your ex after that. Okay, if you don't go back to your ex, if you don't remarry in between, you can't go back to your ex. Once you marry in between, there's no, is there a rationale no going for that? back. Like everything else in the time. Well, like said, there's a lot of rationales for that. Come on. The point is, we don't want comparison. You know, someone. You know, right. everything is going to be. I had a better deal. Right. Now, always bringing it up. Didn't work. Well, up the Tonight, she wasn't that great. I really loved you all along. You know. How come there's no rabbi that says, "Why doesn't his dad just give him the money anyway?" It's just like that. Uh, clearly, his dad refused to give him the money. But his dad, the case. his dad was okay with this kind of uh, no, shenanigans? No, we're saying is, his dad, right. In this case, he wouldn't know, right. That's the question, right. It's contractual. And you, you were, in your preamble, you were making out that the, it had the dad's approval, by the way. That's no, the, no, the, no, the, no, Tom does say that it had, no, that since it's his dad, in some way it's benefit for his dad at the end of the day, he's also going to get the money at the end through the state. If his dad maybe, dies, maybe. So then, well, now he's probably not. So anyway, that was the that was the analogy that he brought, and he said based on that, so a very interesting um, uh, dilemma here, which he discussed. Man, like this. The question, the dilemma is like this: Who is is the physician working for? In this case, when he's working for a clinic, so is the physician's goal? in the best interest of the employer that he's working for, the clinic or the hospital, or is the physician um, really working for the patient? That's the question here, which is an interesting dilemma in all of medical ethics, which many, if, unless you have your own business, something you need to be thinking about. Who, who am I, who is, uh, what's the correct language, who am I dedicated to? Is it my, my uh, group, you know, my group of physicians, I'm, I'm working for UT, whoever I'm working for, or is it for the patient? What is my goal? My goal is the interest of the patient or the interest of my employer? Because generally speaking, We're the society, we, we have a communitarian ethic now that um, kicks in the patient, my employer, and societal goals. Right, well in this case the employer is society because <coughs> it's socialized medicine. So that is an interesting, it's a, but it's a good, it's a good point. But, but the, the, the point being is, so normally you have to do, as, as he brought many proofs to that, a proof text, that halachically when you're an employee, you are totally working for your employer. That means to do what's in the best interest, well, no matter what, of the employer. question is, who's the employer? The patient or the clinic? Okay? Yes? Uh, there's another way of looking at it. You know, the, the relationship with the employer is contractual. The relationship with the patient it's is... also contractual. No, the relationship with the patient is more covenantal. You know, heal him, you Used shall to heal. Be. Yeah, well, Used to be. but uh, halakhically it is. I mean, you're supposed to heal your patients. Yeah, the first, There's no contract. The it's first a, promise you make is when you become a physician is to treat the patient. Exactly. Yeah. That's a covenant. It's After not a contract. That, you make a contract. You so you it's really... Earlier that but it's, there's but a they don't take the Hippocratic Oath anymore. They take, uh, there's a different kinds of oath. We're not talking about one or the other. The patient's going to get treated either way. No, no, but you have a conflict. The going to be treated by the Yeah, but again, there's a conflict between... The interests of the employer, of the clinic, the interests of the patient. Uh, Who wins out? That's the question. What are my obligations <coughs> as a physician? Is you mean if it's more obligations to the patient, detrimental to the yeah. patient to or be put the into the hospital? No, the opposite. It's not healthy. It's, well, it's financially to detrimental health. to the clinic. To no, but well, it does have to do with his health. Here we're saying health-wise, 
he'd be better in the hospital. Correct. The insurance company saying no. Health, meaning not health, but insurance company saying keep him here. We don't Financial allow you to wise. check him in. Yes, to the to the Those choices don't have to be mutually exclusive, yeah. though. Well, often True. they are. I'll give you another example. They don't have Ed to brought it up. Be, yeah. For example, True. you have a research oncologist, an academic oncologist, who wants to enroll a patient in a protocol. Now, he wants to do the research, which may benefit society. May benefit him, too, because they have to publish a paper. Does it necessarily benefit the patient? How much does he reveal to the patient? Is there a conflict between his covenant to treat that patient and the contract he may have with God knows how many people to do this research? And this sort of stuff comes up all the time, this conflict in the covenant and contracts that you may have. Yes. So pharmaceutical companies, yeah, there's a lot of ways to go. But so that's what I'm saying. It's a very general question here. So based on this, he says, uh, so, he, so he says, let me just see if I can read the words and translate. He says, um, okay, so the question becomes on a, a physician working in this case for the Kupat Cholim, which is the socialized network in Israel. Who are they trusted to? The Tzibura Cholim, well, he actually says it in your terms. Is it to the general society of, of, uh, of, of ill people? Oh, the meaning because it's socialized medicine, so I have to, my job is to help the community. So you're right, he's saying it more in your terms. The two sides of the coin is, am I dedicated to this individual patient? What's best for this individual patient? Or society at large? Because if I keep on send, checking people into the hospital when they don't need to go there, the, the, where the Kupa will go bankrupt. Okay? When I'm going to finish my statement. So the Kupa will go bankrupt. So therefore, is my dedication, is my goal to help society at large of ill patients? Or is my goal to help the individual? So you're right, he said it more like you said. Sorry. When was this written? This was written, the question was posed in 1993. Okay, fine. This is applicable now to the United States too, when most of us except for Ron started in practice, 75% of doctors were not employed by institutions. Now it's flipped completely, 75% of doctors are employed by institutions, so it's getting very much closer to the Israeli socialized model without the private practice. Uh, Even before Bernie's. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he says, so that's the question here. Um, so he says like this, so he says, so he answers, he says, this is his opinion, this rabbi, he says, He has to be dedicated to each individual patient. Um, and therefore he has to worry about what's best for this patient and give him the best advice for him personally. Not, and not worry in general um, about how that's going to affect the society at large. And he says, really, if you think about it, Giving, worrying about each individual, individual patient is actually best for, this, for all the patients. Because since if we tell doctors they have to worry about each individual, individual patient, so you're right, at the end maybe it will cost more money, but I'm going to worry about each. It, the other individual patient will like me to worry about him too. So in essence, there's a gain for all the patients, even though, not, even though you're focusing on what's best for this patient in this case. Um, because if they would be in a similar situation, they would want you to worry about them personally. So there is really, he says, even including that, um, there is societal a societal benefit, benefit um, because it will increase, I guess, the quality of, of care in a certain sense. But he goes on to say, but if you say that, even if you want to say, and he says, even if you want to say that this physician is working for the klal, hacholim, for all the patients, meaning for society, society at large, um, he says, there's still a place to say 
that he still should be concerned about each individual patient and what's best for them. Um, so he says, just like in this case, again, in the analogous case that he's saying is analogous, the case in Erechen where, the, where uh, he's saying we, the Gemara, the Talmud, clearly doesn't consider it fraud even though he's circumventing the system by getting divorced and remarried. Talmud doesn't seem to consider that. What he quoted again, what the verse that was quoted there was Rush Arum, a conniving, uh, uh, wicked person. Okay? So therefore, he says here too that would apply. Um, but he ends, he ends off saying like this he says, Veneer, but it seems to me that if the patient, with all practicality, can go and get permission for this uh, echocardiogram, um, so then the, the, then the physician should advise him to do that. If he can go through the system somehow, even though a lot of red tape in Israel, but if eventually he might be able to do it through the system, of course that should be recommended. But let's say he is, he says, a very poor person. He doesn't have the means to do it privately. Um, so he says, uh, he says he can't afford it. So he says the doctor should consult with two other physicians, and if they believe that this is what's best for, the, for this patient, he shouldn't rely on just himself, he should consult with two other physicians and then make the decision together with them. Um, so, uh, he says, basically, but if he can pay out of pocket, that's the best scenario. In other words, if the patient can afford it, he pay, should pay out of pocket. If not, he can't afford it, then they should consult with two other physicians and do that. Okay? If he can't afford what? If he can't afford the echocardiogram privately, which in Israel... Privately? Meaning, again, it's socialized in Israel. We're talking about Kupat Chulim. So the government pays for everything. So what happens with the two uh, physicians that he consulted? Do they get paid? I mean, you, you're adding costs. No, this is Israel. Socialized medicine physicians don't get paid anything in Israel. You, 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 you're right. Normally, maybe yeah, I'm saying normally you can call a colleague on the phone. I'm assuming. I think that happens. No, and you can ask. Say you can consult with a colleague. You're not going to send you a bill, right? You don't know that. Mm -hmm. You consult with the colleague. I, I don't know. I I mean, this is the way insurance companies by and large operate. So you often get done what you need to get done, but you have to invest much more of your time, like consulting with two colleagues right. or calling up the insurance company six times. You often can get it done, but it requires an enormous amount of effort. Above and beyond just and caring for the And a lot of times the, the insurance you give up. Yeah, which they hope you'll do. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times the insurance companies, the decision making at the insurance companies aren't even being made by physicians, being made no, by physicians. But that's all more obstacle. You can work your way up the chain and eventually get what you need if you're persistent. So, one fly in the ointment that catches my ear here is this whole notion of a, a committee of doctors is really better than an individual doctor. Yeah. I'm not so sure that I buy into that idea. Uh, okay. the, the whole idea that, that three doctors are better than one, uh, I, I would say that more often than not is a fallacy. And I don't think that's the issue. That. I, don't know. I think what the issue here is they're trying to make a structural change in the institution. No, One really. doctor can't do that. Not so really. Not changing the I rules. understand, but for for three doctors to say the same thing, this patient has to be an exception to the rule. It's really not caring for the patient anymore in the sense you're now trying to make an administrative decision to get the first doctor what he wants. Yeah, but it's a medical yes decision. No, you don't right, find two doctors yeah. who aren't going to agree with you. That's right. But it's a medical 
medical decision they're arriving at. They're, they're arriving at the medical decision as to whether this is a, a medically necessary procedure. Presumption is you're going to recruit two doctors who are going to agree with on that, or else it's pointless. It's like a shopping for that, that can't be the Talmudic answer, though. No, but they, I mean, clearly, if you can't find two doctors who agree with you, it's a moot point. Well, maybe well, are you talking about maybe the decision to do it in the hospital? Yes, you can. in this case, that was this case. Okay, so, so... I would know about that. We, so now, the, after he gave this answer, so there was another doctor, a head of a hospital, says, uh, this is the head of, the, head of um, the director of the women's division of, of Bikur Cholom, which is a, a hospital in Jerusalem, and known as Bikur Cholom, so he wasn't happy with his answer. Um, and he wrote the rabbi a long letter um, showing him why he's wrong. This so is another point. Those other two doctors, they also have to fear for their jobs, by the way. It's a whole other issue. Okay. So, so, he, so he writes back to the rabbi. So this, who heard about this, he, the original question wasn't asked by him, but I guess um, the answer, he saw the answer and he wasn't happy. So he says, um, he, he responds to him. Again, doesn't have a date here, but he says, uh, like this, he says that this patient, that this what you answered in a case where the patient can't get the maximum um, qual quality in the clinic, and therefore um, he needs to be checked into hospital. He says when you're dealing with socialized medicine, it's very common okay, that this will happen. So he says it's, it's relevant. It's true about procedures. Um, or examinations, and like like the echocardiogram, different procedures which are um, what, what's what's the word examining examining procedures, just diagnostic, diagnostic procedures. Yes, and got people, and also as far as treatment is concerned, when you're dealing with uh, that's many times he says many times the case. many times the the physician, the treating physician. Many times tries to circumvent the system, or to, and sometimes also to speed up the treatment, as we know in socialized medicine. Many times the wait is very long. Get the treatment before the patient dies. No, well, yeah. Literally, yes, sometimes. Yes. yes. So he says, because it's such a common occurrence, I would like to address a few points that the rabbi made. So he says, Lanias Daiti, again, this is not a rabbi talking, this is the director of the hospital. He says, Lanias Daiti, according to my humble opinion, I, I want to show you that the Talmud that you quoted is not analogous to our case. He says, number one is, he's disagreeing with the rabbi. He says, um, He says, when this father-in-law, father signed on as a co-signer to the too, but he never wrote any stipulations as to how the divorce should work. If you're getting divorced, for what purpose? Could be you don't like her nose, it could be you don't like her cooking, or could be you need money. He never put in any stipulations when he's going to pay out for the ketubah. He says that's number one. He did exactly what was stated in the ketubah. In the contract. The contract was if you get divorced, the father, if the husband doesn't have money, the father will pay out the ketubah. So that was, he says, he did exactly follow the rules. And um, okay, of course it was a trickery, it was a beating the system, technically speaking. So in that situation, once I want to finish the statement, and as the Gemara says, there it's only because he's the son 
of the cosigner, and he's a rabbinic scholar. So therefore, we would advise him to allow this this uh, circum circumventing the system. Yeah. I'm curious about what kind of a rabbinic court would grant a get for that purpose. No, yeah, unless you, uh, I would well, like you to. missed it last week. We discussed the, there is um, preventative measures in place for this because the, they foresaw this, and therefore anyone who gets a get in the case of a cosigner, they had to swear that they're not remarrying a woman because they understand Jews. The well, they're not re so really there was preventative sad. measures. So the Gemara said, "You missed it." The Talmud deals with that last week. Okay. Um, so he says, uh, it's bad for playing hooky. In the commandment to honor your mother and father, yes. doesn't trickery sort of uh, contravene that commandment? In my humble Again, opinion, it does. That's, that's a good point. It's a valid point. Um, um, so I would say that yeah. clearly, again, the assumption is the father would want this to happen, maybe. Because uh, you've, you've gone back again. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, 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 it's a good point. Valid point. He doesn't discuss it. By the way, I just want to mention, once you reminded me, that this week's parsha, Parsha Mishpatim, is the law of Ketubah. The first law, Parsha Mishpatim, is people don't realize. Uh, people think Donald Trump invented the prenuptial. It's actually in the Torah, the, this week's parsha. Um, with the first law, which deals with laws of slaves, discusses there if you marry a slave. That's where it mentions that there are three obligations a husband, a Jewish husband, has to a wife, Jewish wife, um, which is he has to support. In that's what the ketubah is. It's not a marriage contract. People think it's a marriage contract. That's false. That's not what makes you married. It's a prenuptial. That's really all the ketubah is a prenuptial agreement, which says first of all, before besides in the prenuptial, it also discusses. Besides cases of divorce, what you have to do while you're married. So the three obligations a Jewish husband has, it's good to know, in case you're a Jewish husband, um, is, uh, is to room and board. You have to, su you have to support the wife with room and board. Um, kshera, uh, one second, this, uh, uh, Susa, clothing and jewelry. Uh, this is in the Torah. Clothing and jewelry, and honor and, and sexual satisfaction. Those three things are biblical obligations. Jewish husband to wife, and a wife has, as Rudinsky always used to say, has zero obligations to a Jewish husband. Zero. Okay. It's all Rudinsky in, often used yeah, to, he's to say that. I'm that. <laughs> so meaning the obligation is purely one direction. Only the husband has obligations to the wife. The wife has zero obligations to the husband. You, okay. You, you doesn't have to cook for him. Doesn't have to clean. Nothing. Owe him nothing. <laughs> yes. So just to show how forward the Torah is and so um, ahead of the truth time. and advertising. Okay, I know, I know so it's a biblical law. Okay, so so it happens to be at the beginning of this question. Okay, so now um, where were we? Oh, so he goes back to say so. Um, he says, "Vilu So again, he's contrasting, he's showing why the analogous case of the Talmud is not analogous. Is not analogous, even though the rabbi tried to show that it's the same. He's saying, In the case of our, of the kupa, of the kupat cholim in Israel, He's saying here it's clearly stipulated in the rules of the, of the kupa of the socialized medicine clinic that you cannot send the patient unless to the emergency room to get admitted to the to hospital unless, well, that's how you get him admitted, right? Unless there is a true need for them to be admitted to the hospital. So it's very clearly stated what the rule is. Very different, he's saying, than the Ketubah. There's no rule. It doesn't say what the divorce is for, the purpose of divorce. So let me just finish this 
ולכן, he says, בהפניית החול המיון, אין הרמה, he says, if you're sending a patient to the, to the hospital to get checked in, that's not trickery, that's not circumventing the system, אלא נעשה קופה, it's literally, um, he's deceiving the קופה, it's very different, it's clear deception. In other words, you're not playing by the rules, you're changing the rules. You're doing something which they say explicitly don't do. Because clearly this, the situation of this patient does not require admission to a hospital. So you're saying you're, you're clearly lying to them, it's deception, it's very different than the case in the Gemara of, just, I really am getting divorced. Why am I getting divorced? Yeah, I'm doing it for the money. Many, as you know, many women get divorced, or even men get divorced for the money. Want to pick on women? Is, so is that deception? No, they can make a lot of money, so they're getting divorced. Many people get married for the money, right? So that's not deception. That yeah. uh, we have terms for that. Clearly, the kupa doesn't pay the hospital very much money. So this hospital director would rather keep the patient out of the hospital. No, but again, he's saying you're violating their explicit rules. Well, he's saying that because he doesn't want the patient in the hospital. No, I'm saying with the kupa very clearly delineates. Yeah, but that's not why he's writing the letter. He's writing the letter. He doesn't want the patient. Oh, why this guy's writing? Yeah. Oh, So this is the game. It's not quite that simple. Most when HMOs were first formed, their rules were so harsh and draconian, they put in all sorts of appeal processes. So while the contract may say you can't admit a patient for ABC. If you disagree with that, there's usually all sorts of appeal process, which is intended to delay and make it very difficult. Now, if you circumvent that by just saying, making up a lie, the contract allows you to appeal. It's just sort of like the ketubah. I mean, it allows you to... Appeal is, not, appeal is something else. I understand. You can go through the system, but it's not the case here. They well, didn't do I'm, that. They I'm violated the contract. The that's rabbi that's saying it's not exactly the same, he's right, but it's also it's not, not exactly... The doctor is also not exactly wrong. There's, there's usually appeal processes built into all these contracts, which take forever. And I, I'll give you an example. I had, back in the days when you had, you had a, each diagnosis was weighted. You couldn't get in for heart failure alone unless you met certain criteria. You couldn't get in for diabetes alone unless you met certain criteria. You couldn't get in for a l- chronic lung disease unless you met certain criteria. If a patient had all three, you couldn't weight them. I remember I admitted a patient, uh, and Medicare said I couldn't admit him. He didn't meet any of the criteria. The guy died within 24 hours. Okay, so again, if so, it's so I wrote to Medicare, and they said, we're not paying because he didn't meet the criteria. He wasn't sick enough to get an hospital. The fact he was I dead it. was irrelevant. <laughs> but that's the sort of thing. Yeah, that but I'm saying this again, that's an extreme case. I'm not sure. It's just a question of which case, sure which case, case to do. Should we do this test or that? That's a clear case. There's two. There's another kind of let's, similar... Let's speed it up because we, we have limited time. Okay. We gotta, we so, just so there's a, a similar problem. You've got the rules on, on who can be admitted and who can't. Mm-hmm. Let's take a hernia, for example. Hernia is going to be an outpatient procedure. Now, if, if I, as a surgeon, say my hernia patients are all going to be admitted, I think that's not a safe outpatient procedure, I'm violating the rules. If I say I do all my hernias just according to the rules uh, as outpatients, but this guy just strikes me as being frail and, and sick, doesn't meet any criteria, my judgment is that he's frail and sick and ought to be an inpatient. That's not 
breaking the rules, that's exercising individual judgment. And I shouldn't have to lie. Exactly. And, that's and true. Say, you shouldn't have to. But oh, now the question is, can you? He's also got a DVT. Or I think. One second, I think we all agree. One second. I think we all agree. You shouldn't have to lie. The question here is, can I lie? When they're clearly saying, or do saying, I have an obligation to lie? <laughs> exactly. Yes, I have an obligation. But, I, but everyone's everyone's saying point. you shouldn't have to lie. I think we all agree. I think even the insurance covenant or contract. Do I have to oh, lie? Right. I don't think any one of us disagrees. Okay. We all will lie. I think every one of us would lie. I think every one of us has lied. Well, every one of us lies every day when it comes to the insurance company. What's that? Being careful. Speak for yourself. Okay. I mean, every day. This is. Uh, uh, no legal ramifications here. You know, Anything that is said in this room. Fifth Amendment applies. Quick. On the other hand, if you keep doing this and the cause build up, number one, either the patients are going to have to pay more to belong to the Kupat, or the Kupat will close down, and that is the detriment of every patient. I would argue that the Kupat is making people go to the outpatient department even though they know it's inferior care in order to save money. Okay, so therefore what? But that, and you might be right, so that doesn't, again, but there's still a contractual obligation. Yeah, can they lie? Yeah. No, it's, it's not. It's just the, it's the game with the capital yes. G. So maybe inherent in socialized system or system where clinic doctors, and the hospitals doctors have to yeah, choose do. the it's, patient. It's, it's, it's no, but I'm saying it still costs more money. real money difference? Of course it's money. They have to get a bed. They have to give them the compression sacks. They have to give them food. They want to in the hospital. patient as well. No, no, I'm saying is there's more uh, hospitalization, much, much more expensive. expensive. you, you got to pay for the infrastructure. Yeah, I'm saying they, I mean, you know, they give you new compression sacks every two days. The You're still paying off the grand piano. Now it's done in the hospital. <laughs> Not in Israel. You know, this is applicable to 1993, and things have evolved since then. By worse. the way, it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. Yes. Well, okay. so listen to what he says. He says both ways. This doctor's question. His question is: He's to the rabbi. He says, "V'chiyomrim." This is a Talmudic statement, which says, "V'chiyomrim la'adam chata bechtei sheizak echavera." Was everyone who's agreeing here? It's better. It's best for the patient. Let's assume. That's not the question here, but do I, do I, I'm the doctor, I'm sinning for the sake of the patient. Do we tell someone, this is a Talmudic question which is addressed in many different scenarios, not relevant to medicine per se, which is do we tell someone, you sin to save, your, to save someone else from sin? That's their problem. Listen, why should I violate this contractual obligation? What he's saying is, just because this patient needs better care, I'm, I'm stealing for the sake of the patient. Who said I have to steal? Am I obligated to steal or to do something wrong, according to halakha, to help someone else? That's their problem, meaning the classical case in uh, the Talmud Shabbos discusses if someone puts a bread in those days, if you've ever seen old way pitas are made, lafad, they stick the dough on the oven wall. Uh, that's the way they would bake the bread. So the Talmud discusses, let's say you see someone doing it on Shabbat. So if I remove the dough, which is a, a rabbinical prohibition. If, if, the, if the guy puts in the dough in the oven on Shabbat and it bakes, it's a biblical violation. He, he cooked on Shabbat. That's one of the 39 Malachot, last week's parasha. <coughs> it's a biblical violation. If I, if I see it happen, then the guy walks away and I remove the dough, it never gets baked, so now it's only rabbinical. So do you tell me to violate this rabbinical law of removing the dough from the oven to save that guy from a biblical violation? Says the Talmud, no. That's not your, you don't violate a, a, you don't do a sin, commit a sin to help someone else not sin. That's yeah. not your problem, even though it's a lesser sin. So that's his question here. I should violate my contractual obligations 
and even risk losing my job, maybe, well, for the sake of this patient? That's assuming who you said? have no obligation to the patient, which we decided, which, which we all agree okay. isn't true. True. We'll get to that in a second. One second, yes, Anna. But you also have a pikua nefesh. No, so if it's pikua nefesh, that's something here. else. Yeah, but you can you steal for the sake of pikua nefesh? Because can you sin? Uh, because you think yes. it's it's better for the patient. Medically. Yeah, but again, that's not because Kolnavish means is a life. If it's a life-threatening situation, we're not talking about it here. We're talking about it's better care, it's better quality care. That's not life-threatening. You might get it. You know, there might be more complications in the clinic. For the guy who works for the clinic. Be, uh, that begs the question. Not only are you obligated to lie if Kupai Cholim won't pay for it. Are you obligated as a physician, you yourself, to pay for it? Okay, that's uh, not going there today. That's complicated. <laughs> that's a, that is a valid question, but not for today. So number two, he says, this, this doctor is not happy, he's director. He says, number two, he says, Kvoda Rav, in the honor of the Rav, said, which is, someone just mentioned that here, used to just mention, which your obligation is to each patient, um, individually, and not necessarily to the whole society. Um, because um, because I'm getting paid technically by each individual. But he says that's not true. Of datit natun ze says at the end that's not a true analogy in socialized medicine. Because I'm getting paid, my salary, my support is coming from the kupa, from the group that I'm working for, not from the individual patient. It's not like in America where you're getting paid by the patient. So then I have a contractual obligation to the patient. He's saying in this case, on the contrary, my contract is solely with the clinic that I work for, not for the patient in socialized medicine. That's a socialist no greater good theory like Alan's saying. No, but he's saying if you're looking at the contract, who am I contracted with? Am I contracted in socialized medicine? You're only getting paid from the clinic and not enough. The patient pays you nothing. Unless they're giving you money on the table to yeah, get pumped up the line. Yeah, but your salary is not going to change, so you're you, you, you left with doing the best for the budget. Your salary is not going to change. No, but again, he's saying the, the proof the rabbi brought was that halacha requires you, whoever you work for, you are completely, you have to worry about their interests. Solely their interests. So he's saying here, it's clear you're only working for, this, for the kupa. You you're not careful. working for the patient. You better be careful. You don't give inferior treatment because of that. That's where the problem is. Well, that's the case here. Yeah. You could argue that point anyway, who you're working for. The Kupat Halim is set up to work for the patient. So you could argue who you're really working for. We, we have is a similar problem in law where, where an employee of a company gets in legal jeopardy and the company agrees to pay for their lawyer. Uh, who, to whom is the lawyer, the lawyer responsible? Uh, responsible. Yeah. And the the legal ethics, which is law, not not just ethics, yeah. but in law the ethics are the law, <laughs> and it is it is to the uh, client. client to the client and not the payer. Right. Oh, really, that you really? have a legal duty. So yeah. the <laughs> the person who's paying has no legal say. In how you defend that client, right, but in practice, I'm sure it's not necessarily true. Yeah. You watch enough law and order, you know that in practice that's not true. Right. That's, that's it, another topic. It also comes you know, up with uh, comes up with teenage patients, where the parents are paying for them, and the teenager doesn't want wants to do something other than what the parent wants to do, or vice versa. Right. Meaning, or vice better versa. for the teenager to do what yeah. the parent. Yeah. Right. So this is, a, this is a major question here. Um, so he goes on to say number three. So that's point number two. Point number three. 
Um, he says also it's ridiculous. He's saying the rabbis saying it depends on the case. If the guy could afford it or could not, he says the doctor's job is not to decide the the finances of the patient. Um, he's saying you know because he mentioned before that if the person could afford private, then don't advise them to go to check into the emergency room. Um, if they can't afford it, they're aniyim, they're poor people, then you <coughs> should advise them. So he says that's, he says we as doctors can't go looking into the person's finances and figure out that's um, not true either. What, uh, what the person could afford. That's <laughs> not true. It's not true what? Afford private. He's saying it's not, it's not the job of the doctor. Hospital. Can they? Of course. Well, don't don't wrong. The patient's financial the situation always influences the treatment. That's because he's not socialized medicine. Whatever that uh, if the person can't afford, if the Kupra Cholim won't allow this medicine to be given, you are allowed to, that, that it's prohibited to try to circumvent the system and get in the medicine anyway. So that, that's his question. Okay. Um, so he says... Um, no, no paying. This is Israel. There's no paying. Socialized medicine. No money crossing hands, ever. Um, so he says at the end of the day, um, um shalti my question my question is in this case of the of the echocardiogram that we're not um relying on the clear set out rules of the kupa of the insurance and why here are you allowing circumvention of the system okay so, and so his title is director of Menahel Machleket Nashim Cholim also be a doctor says Dr. Choviv. Okay. Hospital administration. Hospital administrator doctor of the hospital. women's division, specifically. Yeah, we don't, no, 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 we don't get, know if he's a medical little, doctor or not. Gotta read a little. <laughs> give, me, give me a chance. <laughs> Nira, so he answers like this. The rabbi says, um, so now the rabbi uh, is now addressing the doctor's points. He says, number one, he says, Divreno Arrow, what I stated is only in a situation where there's no clear delineation of stipulations from the kupa that you can't send to the emergency room. So he's, he's qualifying his previous answer. He's saying, if I never said, he said, I never allowed a case where it's clearly stipulated this guy would not be allowed to be admitted, that you can then lie and, and, stip and, and, and make him and get him admitted. He's saying, I'm talking about a case which is similar to what you guys discussed, where it's vague. He says, um, it's not the normal procedure to get him admitted in this case, and the the uh, the recommendation of the doctor is bebchinas arama This is key words here, meaning arama means um, trickery, uh, circumvention, I would say, or or um, portraying something false, as opposed to velo where it's explicit trickery, meaning where you're cheating. Ona means cheating. Arama means, uh, you know, bending, bending the truth. Bending the right. So that's uh, it's. I don't know if there's good English words to make the difference. But he's saying, he said, the Rofe says when the, we allow the Chicanery. doctor to recommend this person to check into the emergency room is only bepchinat arama Hona, quote unquote. The other rabba, he says, and the opposite. It's possible that in this case, that like you mentioned, that they'll actually it's possible the kupat will gain because now, if you remember, there was two tests. One was the 
regular the regular echocardiogram and the transesophagus echocardiogram. So they would have to do both. It's possible that they'll actually save by doing this one, the regular echocardiogram, and not end up having to do or the opposite, whatever. So they'll actually it's save money. Okay, um, so therefore it says possible that, that they won't spend more in this case if you allow them to the emergency room. So it's, he's saying it's vague. And he says, but, so, but in a case where you explicitly have to lie, he says, of course, they never allowed. And now, then he goes on to say, in Kupat Cholim Mitugumelet Aidei Misrata Briut, there's another point number two, the rabbi says, if the Kupa is being uh, supported by the Misrata Briut with the health ministry, Im Ken Shuva Mekorot he says, also, you have to realize, at the end of the day, it's coming from the taxpayer's money. So it's not like, it, uh, he sh- I don't know what his point is in that case, but he's saying similar, I guess, to the following. He's anyway going to end up, it's my money. You know, people, it's all right. taxpayers funded. The patient paid for it one direction. Right, I mean, I guess he's addressing the point of who you employ for. Because he asked the question, he said, listen, the doctor's getting the money from the kupa, so he's, enti- he's therefore indebted. from him. He's dead to the kupa, but he's saying, "Listen, where's the kupa getting the money from? They're getting it from the taxpayers. So maybe you could look at it in the sense of that he's his he's employed by the taxpayer, not by the kupa. Who do you look for? Someone who's a government employee, any government employee? Are they employed by the government or the taxpayer? That's the question. This is the big question in Donald Trump. Not going there. Okay, Mikra did. He says Nira. Um, so he says number point number three is. Um, so based on the on the on the letter of the law, it seems to me that it's still it's permitted again for the for the for the physician to finesse the language or whatever the case is in this case. But in a case where he knows this patient is a patient of means, at the end of them agreeing, it's a very narrow uh, allowance. The heter. And it's problematic. So therefore, if you know the patient is a patient, man of means, of course, don't advise him to do it. It's better not to rely on this leniency that I'm allowed. But in the case where the doctor claims, I can't check out the guy's finances, I don't know his financial situation, I don't know what his uh, you know, portfolio looks like, so we will allow, again, to err on the side of caution and give better treatment to the patient, to the patient in that case. Number four, he says, um, but Shanot made that, but to actually change the information and write down a lie, the wrong thing, he says that's 100% lying and stealing. But again, to trick the Mikrash, he so maybe it's permitted in that case. The problem is that this, this question is now moot because most physicians, I think, nowadays are very reluctant to question their employer. I mean, some will, but in a day and age when most physicians are employed, their mindset's entirely different than 30 or 40 years ago where you say, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Now it's, no, I work for them, you know, whatever they want, it's okay. So it's not moot, on the contrary, the question's even bigger today because now, even like you're saying, we don't have socialized medicine, we still have this problem, we have more of this problem. You're missing the point. The physician, the effect on the physicians, physicians are much less likely to raise a stink, even though it may harm their patient. Well, well, that's the question. Should they again? Are they obligated, or are they allowed I think to? They are obligated, but I think they're much less likely to okay, do it. But it's not a moot. I wouldn't say the question. Uh, it's getting to be moot. Everybody seems to assume in this that Patholim has the interest of the patient first, <laughs> and not saving money first. What? 
Very cynical today, Russ. No, I would argue that, uh, you know, it's gamesmanship. This is what we do. The Kupar Cholim knows that the doctor is going to try to inflate prices, so they're going to lower things. They're going to lower uh, what they offer, and uh, therefore they won't lose money when the doctor kind of raises it up. That's true. What he's saying is true. That's more relevant, I think, in private insurance than than Kupar. No. No. The Kupar is all government work, because they don't care if they're losing money. I mean, Man, government workers are very, you know, they're not necessarily stingy. Uh, private insurance companies are much more stingy with their money no, than, a, than a government worker is allowing the procedure. Private insurance can raise your insurance premiums if you, if it's much harder yeah, to do. It's a limit to how much they, you know, they keep on doing it at some point. I'm saying a government, listen, my mother worked for the government, I can tell you, no one was stingy when it comes to maybe health care, there depends, Israel there. Private insurance is in, competent, in competition with other private insurances. Right. So, be so now, so the end they of the day. Same problem. Yeah. So now the sub note. So now after everything said and done, he was spending three weeks on this. He says, at the end of the day, I asked my father-in-law, who was the great Gaon Rebel Yashiv, I asked him the question after he spent three weeks discussing it, and then he says, "Velo is Kim," and he didn't agree. He didn't agree with my my permission at all. He was more. He well, says he said it's even it's prohibited to, to finesse the truth. Um, he said it's completely prohibited. You cannot admit this patient if the the kupas stipulates very clearly should not be admitted to emergency room. It's prohibited to admit him. Right. Tough luck. Um, so that's what he ends up saying. Okay. So this is the law, but no one really follows that. <laughs> I didn't say that. I don't know what say, people do in actuality. I don't know. It applies to everyone except me if I need right. that. So the sikum at the end of the day. He says the, the summary is based on his followers. He says, therefore, you cannot trick the kupa and to, to get a patient in to admit it to the hospital, um, even for the tests that they're going to do um, for the same test. Or you know, again, yes, yeah. now, uh, no, so the doctor just want to make a point. He's made a lot of points. If, a, a, point if a patient comes to a doctor <laughs> and no longer believes that that doctor is going to do whatever is in best interest. Medicine has truly lost its way. You think it's medicine has already lost its that's way? It's gone. But, I mean, but that's that's the presumption that that the doctor will do what's in your best interest. I'm not sure it applies anymore. As you're healing, everyone's scoffing at the idea. I'm still trying to do it every day. <laughs> so, so let me. So, so trying, I just want to. Trying is the operative word. Yeah. Just to mention, there's the, another the, question. There's a listen to book to support that. Yeah. Harder is during that transition period. <laughs> Shelley, there's a lesson known book called Shades of Healing, the history and decline of healthcare. Some wrote that. Who was one I'm just going to mention. So one more question here. <laughs> so uh, there's one. I'm just going to mention one more question here, which is on top. This is the wrong one. Got the wrong copy. Um, so one more question you mentioned on top, which is which is that uh, a different question right after this one. He brings a mother who lied to get better treatment for her son, and she's when the son will go. I'll read the scenario quickly. He says there was a case with the mother. Is written. Doctors asking the question in. Uh, He's a family doctor in Cholon. Okay, so he says there was a mother, Shebna Katan, her, her youngest son, or her little son, 
הובא לבית החולים, הוא מיד הוחלט מנת חולים. הוא מיד הוחלט מנת חולים. האם המובהלת, so she was very anxious, פנסה בסרקשוס הרופאים, she said to the, before they took the kind of surgery, she turned to the doctor and she said, make sure you do this correctly, you know, treat him extra special, because this is my precious son, who was born to me after 15 years of marriage. Um, implying that she didn't have kids for 15 years. He was, this son was born to me after 15 years of marriage. So treat him correctly and properly and make sure there's no risks involved. So it says when the doctors heard this, they got emotional and Ezekiel Alte, Tovah Emanatchim, they got the best surgeons in the, in the hospital. Instead of just the people on the regular rotation, um, they, they call up the best surgeon because whatever the case was. Uh, he says, was done with extreme care. And Chayef himself, he was successful and everything was good. And afterwards, while once he was in the recovery room, the mother turns out that they noticed that it's like a lot of visitors coming in. Turns out that this woman actually had um, many children. Many children before this. Okay. So, but just the mother, they went to the mother, Shocking. and they, they went to the mother, and they said, like, didn't you tell us he's after 15 years? She said, yeah, I didn't lie. He was born after 15 years of marriage. There was another 12 kids in between. <laughs> but he was, uh, he, I only had this kid after 15 years of marriage. That was her lie to get better treatment for her son. So the Ashley Schultz, so that this doctor's asking him then, um, did she do the right thing by doing this? To lie, was that a permitted lie? Every day, everyone. <laughs> okay. So okay. I'm, just, I'm not going to go through the whole answer here, but basically, Sikum, in summary, he says, um, He says, the mother is not allowed to lie unless they're doing something wrong. Now, let's say they weren't giving him the proper treatment, and she felt like, uh, or someone felt like this is not. The, not the correct procedure. They should be doing another procedure. In that case, you'd be a lot of lie. So just to get to make sure they're doing better, uh, you know, mm -hmm. they're getting the best surgeon. That she wouldn't be a lot of lie. That's the rabbi. How would she know? That's the judgment call. Her uncle's uh, brother was a physician. Okay, so that's. So I, I just want to say. So I, I discussed I, again. I still, fortunately, haven't had time to do. I, I've been trying to do research, but still, really haven't found anyone addressing directly the case. Because again, this was all cases where. We are where the doctor is changing or lying to the kupa for the sake, not for the sake of making more money, getting coding better and getting more money, but for the sake of of um, better treatment. Okay, so I haven't found anyone address. Yes, about making more money. Well, let me finish because I had a, so. But last night I happened to meet someone, a friend of mine, who I, I think I mentioned before. He's a PT, and he runs his own clinic. The reason why one of the main reasons he has. He runs his own PT clinics is because he is a halachically very straight guy, and he said he, he just he couldn't fathom all the coding issues involved in working as an employee working for other in other clinics, and therefore he opened his own place. And he told me this is after I think it's four years now. This is the first year he actually is making money in value. The past three years, he said. He he uh, he made I think total over the year I think what he told me is ten thousand dollars <laughs> profit in the last three years. Um, this is the first year he's actually making a living because of volume. He says and he, he said he goes exactly. He actually said him and his wife study the the handbooks. Um, so the I said program. did you 
of recording handbooks book. to understand them. And he says he actually had a case. It's fascinating. He told me that he had. So I said, "Do you build those recording done by a third party?" He says, "Yeah, we have to write down the codes, but then sent out to a third party." And he says, "Many times they'll call me and they'll see, and this company that's doing the coding, that's doing the insurance processing for them." He says they'll have to explain them how the codes work. They don't even understand. This is a company that does this for a living. He says they got it wrong many times, and he has to explain to them why they're wrong. This is for everybody. Okay. So they're so exactly where the others are. So, so, <laughs> so now, by the rules, you go bankrupt. Yeah. Basically, right. That's what he was saying. But now he's making money in volume. He said he is making money in volume now. Um, I don't making money on coding, though, is not exactly accurate either. Which statement? His statement that he's doing halachically, which suggests something different than what other people do. Yeah, he's he's not he's not committing fraud. That's uh, but what he said. I guess I would dive into that statement a little okay, bit because so that's what, what he and his wife have been studying is what everyone has been studying. No, so he claims again. This is what he claims. So first of all, two interesting. We're things. all doing. Which it I learned. The right and I wanted way. to hear your feedback. Two interesting things he said. And he did speak to a rabbi about it. So I'm going to tell you what the rabbi said. I'm actually planning on calling the rabbi. He has to give his number, but. Uh, he said like this, one second, one second. He said two things. One is, he said, first of all, because I told him what you guys said, which is the insurance companies specifically make it vague, so there's three codes for everything. He says, he says first of all, it's not the insurance companies that write the codes. The AMA writes the codes, which I did look up afterwards, actually. I have it on my phone. The AMA is the one that writes the codes, not the insurance companies. So he so? says, so therefore it's not the insurance companies that are trying to... To still steal big. from the patient. No, still yeah, that's, yeah, that's like number he's one. become a regular insurance company. He sounds to me. Okay. The AMA and insurance companies are in bed together. That, that's okay, that they're not be, operating as an independent entity. That's that completely. What does mistake. that mean? Why would the AMA want to screw the doctors? No, it they, 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 they want to court favor with the insurance companies. They're not worried about this screwing the doctors. Why? Is why why would the AMA want to do that? Because they get about ninety million dollars. I'm telling you why. Because they get ninety million dollars a year for the for the become the ones that publish those codes. That's why they are in bed with the insurance companies. They, they get paid a fortune for that. They don't care about the docs. Only about or the patients. Percent of right. the AMA doesn't care about the right. Only no. about 25% of physicians ever join the AMA. For this very reason. I throw it in the garbage every time I AMA. get it. For AMA, yeah, of course. You don't, you know, they don't yeah, represent me. <laughs> they represent insurance companies. They get, they <laughs> yes. I have a comment. Let's go is to the point, Please. although it's not in reference to doctors per se, yeah. anybody who starts a business, anybody, whatever the business is, you've got to figure it's going to take three to five years to make a profit. That is okay. a golden rule. That, that could be true. I, I don't know enough about the medical so well point. Well, that's well point. That is three What's his second point? So okay. The first one is point. so far garbage. Yeah, right. What's the second point? So far, point? not fine. Okay. Next. Second point. Bring him here. Um, bring this guy here. Oh, poor guy. Me. Don't bring him here. One second. I forgot <laughs> what he said. No, one second. So, I forgot what his second point was. Second. Okay, skip. He said, first of all, so the AMA <laughs> makes the coding. First of all, he told me that uh, many times it says, and I'm reading here, this is the AMA's website encoding, um, meaning that, of course, ignorance. He claims, oh, that's what the second point was, 
Most doctors don't understand the code. You're right. But it's out of ignorance. They don't know because they haven't read the manuals. And they pay attention. We now know coming better than we've ever known. Yeah, he's saying they still don't understand. He said in all the docs he deal with, many times they don't understand the code. Even if you know the code, you can't understand it because it's not designed to be understood. She's really right. I mean, not only does it take time for a business to grow to the point where it becomes profitable, but in every business, you have to learn what the rules and the law are and operate to, the, to your own best advantage within those rules. Which become more within those rules, that's the key year. point. Within those rules. I mean, they, and to Ron's point, every physician I know for at least the last 20 years has learned the coding rules and No, has learned how to make money. In spite of the code, no, that's the, I, mean, I don't know if they've learned I'll the code. I'll give you an example. When you learn how to circumvent the code. Back in the ancient oh, days when I practiced, we, uh, <coughs> I, I used to handwrite my notes, and they were basically soap notes. A couple sentences, you know, guy looks pretty good, uh, doing well, progressing, love Ed. <laughs> yeah. And I, I got to learned the coding and I found out when I do my my notes if I said I listened to the lungs which I did I, I always listened to the lungs before surgery and I always took a history and I always palpated their abdomen I never used to write that because it was all normal mm -hmm. yeah. but I found out that if I wrote those things yeah, I more. could code for a much yeah. higher legitimate so that's legitimate that's and so I started using that. forms that I had my standard dictation, and if something wasn't right, I changed that one line in the dictation. I didn't do a whole dictation, and I quit handwriting them. Yes, yeah, so again, as long as you, there's nothing wrong with increasing yeah. revenue. We're but not against money. Back then, but you said I you say, examined the patient. I assumed you listened to heart. If now the note says, and I listened to heart, I assume they did. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> That's yeah, that's yeah, because true. I know they're putting it just for the coding. Whereas back then, if you said examine the patient, I knew what that meant. I went to an eye. Four more minutes. Ed. I, I'm telling you, Eddie, <laughs> listen here. So, so, so cynical. Gonna, I don't, in your case, no one's arguing. Everyone agrees you, you could make more money. The question is, can you lie to make more money? That's the question. So I'm just going to read you from the, before I want to finish, from the AMA uh, website. It says, Government and private insurance audits have revealed unfortunate cases of fraudulent or abusive medical billing practices. You deserve to be paid for the medical care you provide, but it's essential that you avoid improper billing practices to steer clear of trouble and maintain a flourishing practice. When it comes to medical coding errors, they fall into the broad categories of fraud, quote-unquote, and abuse. The former involves intentional misrepresentation. The latter means the falsification was an innocent mistake, but nonetheless represented. Um, the AMA has a number of resources to help you accurately build procedures and service. Um, and it talks about unbundling codes. When there's a single code available that captures payment for the component parts of a procedure, that is what would be used. Unbundling refers to using multiple CPT codes for those parts of the procedure, either due to misunderstanding or in an effort to increase payment. Uncoding, example, you meet for a few minutes with a patient about a routine question, but the coder bills for a full exam lasting 45 minutes. That is a no-no, though often cases of upcoding are not so blatant. Um, sometimes they are, and the consequences can be severe. One psychiatrist will find $400,000 permanently excluded from taking part in Medicare and Medicaid, in part due to upcoding. He billed for 30 or 60 minute face-to-face -face sessions with patients, when in reality he was only meeting with patients for 15 minutes, each to do, due to medication checks. Like this guy, the PT, was telling me he used to do 
think he said 40 minute sessions now he breaks it up he only does 15 minute sessions because he'll get more but yeah. he, he did it in a way which is right, that's which a is, lot for 40 yeah I know Meaning, he's, again, he's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what we're all he's, doing. He's, right, he's say. saying you're doing it the best way to build. There's nothing it's, wrong as long as you meet the criteria. So now yeah. I want to let me finish because yeah. it's 9.30 and I'm so going to talk. So he's like everyone. Yeah, but he's not lying. So no difference. one else is no, lying. You told no me lying that either. people are lying. exactly like everyone. So no. And takes five minutes. No, no I didn't say that. No, he now changed his session increments. It's the same. Just to make more money. So he did tell me, I'll just tell you about this rabbi, which I'm going to contact. And if he has something to add, we'll continue next week. If not, I'm done. Yeah, more. Um, We're so not done uh, with you, Yossi. Yeah. So yeah. The, 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 he, there was a rabbi who came to town. I happened to know him. Hmm. a rabbi in Chicago. And he deals specifically with business ethics. Um, specifically, that's his uh, expertise. So he sat down with him. He said, this is a story. I opened the clinic. Dealing with this... So he said, what's your question? He said, I just want to know, am I doing the right thing? Do I have to be doing what I'm doing and be so strict? So he said like this, he says, he says, I don't have the question. It's 100% stealing. He said, if you don't do what you're doing, but, and not only that, he added, listen to this, unbelievable thing, which I was like shocked. Just why I want to speak to the rabbi. He said, when he officiates at a wedding, he won't take witnesses that are in the medical profession. Wow! Because he says they're all invalid witnesses because of what goes on in Cody. Oh my this God! This is what he wow. said. This is what the rabbi said. said well, so he will not use. So horrible he's, to hear. He's, this is what he said. I'm just telling you what he said. He said he will not wow. um, take. He doesn't tell people this publicly. He won't tell the witnesses why. Let's say the, the, let's say the bride and groom. He uses lawyers um, instead. <laughs> when the bride and groom come to him, he won't tell them why he's not taking the witnesses. But he'll Lord suggest other witnesses. He will not use witnesses. The law, the law is Jeez. someone is a perpetual. Liar. fraudster, they're not a valid witness. So he will not take any witnesses in the medical profession. Nurses, eh, he says everyone. Nurse wow. practitioners. So this was shocking to me. Why don't you bring the rabbi here? I will, I might. Maybe we might. Great guy. Um, so wow. I'm going to call him. So he um, trusts his life with doctors, but he doesn't trust them. He doesn't want to do it the other. On the contrary, they're doing it for the benefit of the patient, maybe. He's not, the medical, he's not arguing right. with the medical care. That's he's just really saying. That's a sad statement. The, you admit it. The coding, everyone does no, it. No, no, we said all do the same thing. We're not no, lying. No, no. I, I think you misunderstood. I didn't misunderstand. I don't it was think, very clear to me. There's a lot of fraud. Someone mentioned, I just want to say, you weren't here. Someone said two weeks ago, everyone's doing it. One out of a hundred go uh, are arrested for fraud in Medicare, but every doctor is doing the same thing. Someone no, made that no, statement. That's no, no, that, that's, that's someone said not, that here. I don't know. It was a doctor I, said. I, I think I didn't that's say, absolutely. I didn't say that. That's absolutely false. Okay. I think that I think that physicians are learning what the rules are, and doing. The, getting the maximum under the rules. I don't think, I don't know any physician that's actually cheating and lying about it. Well, no. maybe well, we all know a few. <laughs> the the <laughs> AMA is talking about maybe. the, the, the physician the AMA are talking, paper. Is talking about is not you know, people are blaming doctors. People are blaming doctors for what happened. Let me tell you, doctors were bullied and manipulated into the situation that they are. I don't think anyone's denying it. It doesn't agree. So, by the way, so he, he in the cottage. I just want to say, this guy also asked the rabbi. He told me one other thing. Now it's his chance. He asked the rabbi. Listen, the fact, and he agrees that the insurance companies are trying to cheat the doctors. So he says, is it okay for me to steal from them? because they're stealing from me. That was his question. And the rabbi said, no. 100% that doesn't allow you to steal from them just because they're thieves. Just because the insurance comes at thieves doesn't allow you to be a thief.